and time again. Omotao Zushi Fan Fiction Written by Zadia Read by God of Laundry Baskets Summary Wei Wuxian, the only person who can make Lan Ji lose his composure, seems to have developed a terrible habit of attempting to do just that. Far away, a fire crackled, distant and soft, the snapping sound biting at his ears, but he didn't flinch. His gaze never lifted to find the source of the savage sting of the flames. Shouts and screams rose around him, piercing the darkened sky looming above, a terrified and enraged voices melting into the black soil beneath his feet. Chains rattled with every step. The rusted iron shifted and scraped, the warped metal clanging every time it was moved, like a snarling protest of warped, poisoned metal. Flames licked across his vision, and heat swirled around him, fluttering through his robes, the scorching fierceness pressing on his skin. Resentful energy bled through the forest, entangled within the black winds rippling in the air. The powers coursing through the earth pulsed at his feet, the vibrations passing through his skin and purring around his heart. The dark energy dripped through the trees like a sickly sludge, poisonously sweet and rancidly bitter. It flooded the sky and seeped into the ground, spreading through the forest in a wave of flooding ink, a poison in every sense of the word. None of it mattered to him. Shrill notes echoing through the burning forest had frozen his soul. The music lifted, trembling, as it found its way into the open air. Notes wavered and grew, searing his heart as they grew stronger, the sound of their quiet, mourning tone dominating his mind. The melody dipped and shuddered before rising into the sky again, certain but feeble, as the rhythm stayed steady throughout the sharp, breathy tone of the makeshift flute. Anwaji had seen pandemonium more times in his lifetime than he would ever be able to count. He was wherever chaos was, the water to the flames that threatened to consume innocence. Almost nothing could make him halt. Nothing could shock him. Only the turmoil caused by one person had ever made him halt in his tracks. But it was impossible. He couldn't be back, not from the dead. Ji knew all too well that this could not be the one person that he knew it was. But, as the wavering notes of the flute shuddered and crescendoed, Ji knew it was the one person that he knew it could not be. Wu Shen. A bright-eyed boy, a grin plastered across his face as he laughed, pranced over the railing of the arching bridge with ease. 
His footsteps skipped and twirled, spinning him around as he leaped with ease across the narrow width of the bridge's railing. Nawaji walked next to Lashichin at the mouth of the waterfall that fed the water swirling under the boy's bridge. As the brothers walked, Nawaji hesitated, his gaze finding the boy's slender figure just as he dropped over the side of the bridge gripping the supports underneath and jumping across them to reach a small sandbar in the river. Namaji stopped involuntarily, his eyes widening slightly as he watched the boy's lithe form moving gracefully. What is it, Namaji? Mashichin asked. Following his brother's gaze, he smiled slightly. Quite the character, isn't he? Wei Wushun the senior disciple of the Huangmang Jiang sect, and like a brother to Jiang Cheng. With a twitch of his lips that looked suspiciously like a knowing grin, he prodded Lawanji's side. Go introduce yourself. I'm sure he would like to get to know you. Besides, from what I've heard of his reputation, you're going to be seeing him a lot, especially in the ancestral hall. Nawaji calmed his expression and looked at Lan Shichun coolly. I do not know what you speak of. We must be going, he told his brother, beginning to walk again. His brother huffed out a short laugh. Lanji, I have not seen you make such an expression in quite a while. Say what you might, but I believe it would be best for you to meet him. We are going. Nawaji repeated, turning away from Lashichun. As they walked, even though Nawaji prided himself on his self-control, he could not stop himself from glancing one more time at the boy standing in the sandbank as his companion shouted at him from the bridge. He carefully catalogued the way the sun fell on his face and played the shadows of his long hair and forced himself to turn away, ignoring the lilting smile twisting the corners of his brother's smirking lips. Like his first encounter with the boy on the rooftop in the middle of the night, their second meeting proved that Wei Wushun was going to be a problem. A very, very large problem. It didn't take much for Lan Ji to realize it truly. He had been waiting in the orchid room for Wei Wushun to arrive, intending on making him serve punishment for the stunt he had pulled the night before. Wei Wushun had arrived with Ni Hui Song and Zhang Cheng, stopping in his tracks when he saw Lan Ji, explaining to the other disciples what he had done last night. You broke three rules on your arrival! Ni Hui Song exclaimed nervously flicking a paper fan up to cover his face. Ji focused his gaze on Wei Wushun, narrowing his eyes threateningly. Zhang Chong stepped closer to Wei Wushun, a hand coming to rest on his shoulder. Observing Ji, he murmured to Wei Wushun, He's targeted you. Good luck. Wei Wushun's gaze swept over Ji, his expression thoughtful. His eyes brightened and his back straightened, a smirk twisting his lips. Ji did not like the way that expression looked. 
He did not like what it meant for Wei Wuxian, and he certainly didn't like the way that it twisted something inside him, insisting that he look at this boy's smile and keep looking. As Lan Xichun had predicted, Wei Wuxian had indeed become someone Lan Waji saw often. Being one of the largest handfuls the Gu Su Lan sect had ever had to contend with, the task of disciplining him was immediately shunted to Lan Waji. If the other members of the sect noticed that he went above and beyond his duty to follow and catch Wei Wuxian, even in the dead of night on a rainy rooftop, no one dared to mention it. Even when Lan Xichun gave him knowing looks as Lan Waji passed, dragging the laughing Wei Wuxian behind him, he ignored it and focused on dealing with the troublemaking fiend that he was supposed to be keeping in line. A task that had not exactly been going very well. No matter what punishments were instilled on the boy, he would never stop laughing that carefree, golden laugh, promising that he would be back to once Lama Ji caught him again. Lately, to Lama Ji's frustration, the library had become infested with Wei Wuxian's rowdiness. A week of his supervised punishment had passed, and Lama Ji wasn't sure how much more he could handle. First had come his incessant chattering and complaining, hovering right next to Lan Waji, essentially crawling all over him in an effort to get his attention. When Lan Waji silenced him, he resorted to writing papers. The papers were easy enough to ignore, so Wei Wuxun had turned to frantically attempting to talk, trying to break the silence spell. It took all the control in him not to snap his brush in half when Wei Wuxun plastered himself against Lan Waji's back, his long hair brushing against Lan Waji's cheekbone and neck, and in his best attempts to talk, ended up moaning in his ear without even realizing what he was doing. Needless to say, nothing about the situation was going well. Maybe that had been a bit of a lie. If Lan Waji was honest and unearth a part of himself that hides deep, deep down and tells the truth, he truly did enjoy spending days in the library pavilion with Wei Wuxun's cheerful company. Yes, it was arduous and strange, but every time he saw Wei Wuxun's eyes scrunching close, laughing that sparkling laugh, Lan Waji thought that sitting through his teasing might just be worth it. Wei Wuxun would look at him with those strong eyes and slender face with such a strange smile playing across his lips, and Lan Waji felt his chest constrict in a way it never had before. Wei Wuxun laughs like he has never been touched by sorrow or fatigue, he is a creature of endless mirth and joy, filling rooms with his bright laughter and brighter grin. Lan Waji was halfway convinced that this boy had been blessed by something light and free when he was young, something that gave him endless pleasure and wonder, somehow that allowed him to be so beautiful as he smiled. Sometimes, Wei Wuxun's presence drives him to the brink of madness. 
having a bright, burning boy crash land into his world was nice, but it came with its own consequences. Namely, figuring out how to deal with said boy. Lamangie's world had always been one of cleanliness and order, purpose, and straight paths. He never had to deal with a disturbance such as this before. The balance of this world tilted askew every time he saw Weiwushun, and he didn't know what to make of it. Nothing about it made sense. When Weiwushun insisted on following him, seeking him out in the library pavilion, it only made Lamaji more befuddled and lost. Weiwushun had thrown his world out of order and he wouldn't leave Lamaji alone. But even when Wei Wushun grinned that beautiful, devious, joyful grin and let his fingertips trail across Lamaji's wrist or the back of his neck, he couldn't find it within himself to be irritated. When the burn of Wei Wushun's skin pressed against his own, wouldn't fade for hours afterwards, lingering on his mind. Lan Ji realized that there was no emotion inside him that could be called anything close to hating this. Long after Wei Wushun left the cloud recesses, Lan Ji stood on a bridge arcing over a wide river. Sai Yi town bustled around him, the loud noises and flashy signs begging to distract him but his gaze was fixed on one person. From beside him, Lan Xichun's smile grew even more as he insisted that Lan Ji had wanted Wei Wushun to be there. Lan Ji forcibly tore his gaze from Wei Wushun, instead focusing on the horizon glowing in the distance as the falling sun began to pierce its belly on the sharp rooftops of the town. I do not know what you're talking about he insisted instead. Later, Wei Wushun was torn from the sky and trapped in the clutches of a waterborne abyss. Lan Ji cursed everything he knew, feeling his heart freeze. As he reached into the water to save Wei Wushun, emotion coursing through his veins at the thought of Wei Wushun being in danger, Lan Ji realized that Lan Xichun might have been right about his wish to be with Wei Wushun again. He might have even been right about a couple of his other suspicions, but Lan Waji could come up with no possible explanation for the torrential storm of feeling that raced through him the moment he saw Wei Wushun's face again, smiling and laughing and safe. When he gazed up at Lan Ji with such fondness in his gaze and quietly rasped, Lan telling him, You're already so close. I'm not just another person to you. Was he supposed to label the emotions that coursed through his heart at that moment? Ji felt something encircle his heart every time he was with Weiwushun, something warm and golden hazing the edges of his vision. He did not wish to think about what those feelings meant. He couldn't afford to let himself grow too close to this boy. He couldn't allow himself to give too much of his heart away. 
Nothing would ever happen. Nothing could ever happen. Despite his resolution earlier, after they escaped the waterborne abyss and drifted on a canal as the sun died on the horizon, bleeding reds and oranges that diffused into a clementine sky, Mawa Ji found his gaze fixed on Weiwushun again. Weiwushun was flirting with a girl on the riverbank, fooling around as he was so fond of doing. Mama Ji felt his heart clench as he watched him tilt his head back, laughing at something the girl said. Wei Wushun really had no idea how beautiful he was, with the golden sunlight painting his grinning features as he laughed that golden, golden laugh. Mama Ji turned away, doing his best to ignore him. When Wei Wushun pointed to him, asking the girls, Sister, do you find him good-looking? He turned back to them, eyes widening slightly in confusion. The girls tittered in laughter. <laughs> Even more good-looking, they chorused. Ji's bewildered gaze shifted to Weiwushun's grinning face. Then praise him some more. Weiwushun insisted, causing Ji to face away from them again. As he turned away, he saw the other two men observing them. Zhang Chung had a hand pressed against his face in exasperation, a fairly common sight while he was in the company of Weiwushun, while Lan Chun was looking at his brother, a warm, amused smile stretching across his lips. Ji's eyebrows twitched when he saw the look on his brother's face. It was a mirthful, teasing expression, and he did not want to think about its implications. Don't you think he's much cuter? Someone give him some. If I'm the only one getting some, he might be jealous with me. Aja, your gusu dialect sounds so nice. It's so soft. Weiwushun chattered away, turning to face Ji with an earnest, pleading look that definitely did nothing to Ji's heart. Teach me how to swear in it? he asked. Pathetic, Ji managed, forcing his gaze away from the grinning boy beside him and stepping onto Chun's boat, pointedly ignoring his brother's own knowing smile. An extremely heavy boat came in front of them, filled with buckets of golden loquats. Mamaji took one glance at it, his mind replaying the sound of Weiwushun's voice from just a moment ago, and continued to look straight ahead. Chun spoke again, his tone falsely innocent. If you want to eat loquats, should we buy a basket? Mamaji gave him a flick of his sleeves. I do not. When he saw Lan Chun's face, he went to stand on another boat. Many years later, after a war had begun and their lives had been torn apart by the Qishan when sacked, Lan Ji was in pain. His body was broken and his heart was shattered. He was a prisoner to his enemies, enemies that had burned his home in front of his eyes. 
Wei Wuxun stood in front of him, a small smile on his lips, and a hand outstretched in an offer to help him. Han Waji had no choice but to turn away. Just an hour later, standing in a dark, dripping cave with only a beast and unarmed disciples as company, Han Waji could not bring himself to turn away as he saw the monstrous tortoise bearing down on Wei Wuxun's frame, illuminated by his roaring flames. La Waji felt his soul freeze in terror as a monster neared Wei Wuxun. He had no choice but to crash into him, letting himself be taken into the jaws of the monster in Wei Wuxun's place. La Waji bit back a growl of pain and closed his eyes feeling the world drop around him as he was flung into the air, the tortoise's gaping jaws waiting below him. As he fell into the maw of the beast, something blocked the jaw of the beast from snapping closed around his body. Opening his eyes, Ji saw Wei Shun prying apart its fangs, a snarl pouring from his lips as he wrenched open its jaw. Ji felt his eyes blow open wide. This was the absolute last thing he had expected to happen when he had sacrificed himself. As the creature's jaw was ripped open, the fangs embedded in his left leg fell out, letting him fall helplessly to the lake below. The water rose up to meet his plummeting form, cold and black as the bitterest nights of winter, eerie and icy as it churned around him. Mawaji desperately kicked with his good leg, his arms working to keep himself afloat while gripping onto his gu-ching. His robes swirled around him, heavy and cumbersome in the water. A hand gripped his waist, pulling him into the side of an easily floating person. Wei Wuxun held onto him tightly and brought them to the shore as fast as he could manage. He hauled Mawaji onto the rocky shore his hands still encircled around his waist. How about you let me carry you? Wei Wuxun asked abruptly and picked him up and threw him onto his back. Ji's breath stuttered in his throat. Let me down. From far too close for comfort, a great roar echoed from the tortoise, rumbling the earth and shaking the cave. He quickly shut his mouth. Wei Wuxun limping even faster to find shelter. After they were the farthest they could possibly be from the tortoise, Wei Wuxun found a small side cave to duck into. He maneuvered Ji to the ground, setting him on a flat patch of rock. Wei Wuxun bent down for a moment to inspect the wounds before standing up again to find shrubs with thick, straight branches. Completing his search, he kneeled next to Lamaji with branches in one hand. Do you have something we could use to secure them? A rope or ribbon? Hey, your forehead ribbon might work. Come on, take it off. Lamaji felt his eyes widen, his mind racing to catch up with what was happening. Before he could respond, Wei Wuxun reached out and took it, wrapping it around the branches. You. Ji exclaimed, suddenly speechless. What do you mean, you? Don't worry about it. 
The ribbon can't be worth more than your leg, can it? Wei Wuxin asked as he finished tying the branches around Lan Ji's leg in a makeshift cast. Lan Ji let out a quiet, slow breath and leaned back, suppressing a shudder. He was alone, in a cave, with Wei Ying. They were trapped together for as long as he could foresee, and now he was left without his forehead ribbon. This was the very definition of an unideal situation. Wei Wuxun suddenly spoke again, excited. La Jia! La Jia! he said. Ji's name rolling off his tongue in a way that made him shiver again. I forgot! La Jia! Sit up! We have the perfume satchel! There might be herbs we can use in it. Pulling out the bags of herbs he had harassed of Mian Mian, he dumped the contents onto the ground next to Lan Ji. Sort through them, Wei Wuxun said as he continued to clean the dirt away. The girl said it was made out of medicinal herbs. We can use some for your leg. Lan Ji looked at him in surprise. Was that the reason he had persuaded Mian Mian to give him the bag? Because of its healing properties, not because he was flirting with her? Looking down, he thumbed through the pile of herbs. After a minute of sorting, he handed some of the leaves and flowers to Wei Wuxun. These are for pain relief and fighting infection, he said. There aren't a lot of them. These three can draw out most poisons. Wei Wuxun nodded. Well, go on then. Strip. He frowned slightly, unsure if he heard Wei Wuxun correctly. What? What do you think? Strip your clothes! Suddenly, Wei Wuxun's hands were peeling off Lan Ji's shirt. He looked up at him with widened eyes, his breath catching in his throat as he exclaimed, Wei Ying, what do you intend? What do you think I intend to do? We're the only ones here, Lan Zhan. Wei Wuxin said, his eyes half-lidded and sparkling in the dim light of the cave. He tugged his outer robe off, letting the sopping wet garment fall to the cave floor. Lan Ji felt several different parts of him short-circuit all at once. His mind stopped working as his heart raced and his lungs froze. Nothing about this could be happening. Something was off. This is wrong. This wasn't something Wei Wuxian would do. But, as Wei Wuxian said, Strip your trousers. Lan Ji couldn't find an alternate explanation for the events occurring. Completely frozen in the thralls of his panic, a great fit of coughing overcame him. The moment he saw the dark, congealed blood he coughed up, and Wei Wuxian stepped away, satisfied, he realized what he had been doing. Can you not make a joke of this kind again? He asked, irritated. Wei Wuxin protested. It's bad for that blood to be held in. Don't worry. I don't like men. I won't take advantage of the opportunity or do anything to you. Nawaji muttered. Ridiculous. Wei Wuxin didn't argue and waved his hand. 
Okay, okay, ridiculous it is. I'm ridiculous. I'm the most ridiculous there is, he said, standing up to gather dead leaves and branches, a fire springing out of a talisman he drew on his palm. Settling down next to Lan Ji, Wei Wuxin took the herbs and crushed them into a paste. He set to work applying them to Lan Ji's wounds, his face stony and serious, as he devoted all his attention to Lan Ji. The pile of herbs grew smaller and smaller, until only a couple of usable ones lay on the ground. Lan Ji's gaze fell to where Wei Wuxun's robe covered his chest, watching the way he moved carefully as not to disturb his burn. Lan Ji realized that Wei Wuxun intended to use all the herbs on his leg and leave none for his own injuries. The amount of pain Wei Wuxun was in was visible just from the way he moved. Lan Ji brought his arm up, stopping Wei Wuxun. What's wrong? he asked. When Lan Ji said nothing, he leaned back to brush his long hair out of his face, his robe slipping slightly as he moved, revealing the corner of his burn. Without speaking, Lan Ji swiftly put the herbs on his chest, keeping his touch as light as he could to not cause him any more pain. Wei Wuxin paused for a moment, trying to figure out what was happening. Looking down, he saw the herbs pressed against his burn. His eyes widened, and he turned to where they were lying on the ground a moment before. Lanja, you need those herbs for your leg, he exclaimed. When Lanwaji didn't reply, he asked in horror, Were those the last of them? You need to treat your wound, he insisted. It was just like Wei Wuxun to be self-sacrificing and not even realize it. In Lan Ji's opinion, he never took good enough care of himself. Three days later, Lan Ji's palms had been filled with gashes and lost pools of blood as the assassination cord vibrated from his fingertips for six hours. Wei Wuxun was nowhere to be seen. Lan Ji called out again and again, searching for him with desperate cries of Wei Ying falling off his tongue. When he found Wei Wuxun lying unconscious halfway down the beast's throat, Lan Ji had no words to describe the rush of relief that coursed through him. He gripped him tightly around the waist and brought them both out of the tortoise's mouth. When Wei Wuxun finally collapsed to his fever, Lan Ji could not restrain himself from bowing to Wei Wuxun's wishes and letting him sleep on his lap. He would not remember it when he woke up, so there could be no harm in allowing him a small amount of comfort while he was in the throes of sickness. At least, that was what Lan Ji told himself as he held the boy, pouring more and more spiritual energy into him, attempting to give him everything that he could afford to. It was all for Wei Wuxun's comfort, he reasoned, 
none of it for his own heart that ached every time he looked down and saw such a bright, joyful person in so much pain. Wei Wushun begged to hear a song. The tune that immediately sprung to Lan Waji's mind was spilling from his gu qin before he could stop himself. As he played, forgetting envies, he could not bear to tear his gaze away from the boy sitting in front of him. The golden, shadowed, harrowed, beautiful boy that he had written it for. Lan Waji felt another part of his heart slip away, another piece of him fallen into Wei Wuxun's clutches. On the hunt of Phoenix Mountain, Lan Waji felt a small part of his control slip away the moment he noticed Wei Wuxun's presence. He had been riding in with the Gu Su Lan sex procession alongside Lan Xichun when he saw a flower land on his horse's back. He did not know how, but every fiber of his being was telling him that Wei Wuxun had thrown that flower. The thought of Wei Wuxun throwing him a flower in admiration made him draw his horse to a halt without realizing it, only snapping back into reality once he saw his brother stop beside him. Raising his hand to signal that they would halt, Manwa Ji turned to see Wei Wuxun atop a gleaming black horse, his elbow propped against its head as he laughed with two maidens. Wei Ying. Wei Wuxun lifted his head, turning to face Lan Waji with faint surprise. Hong Guang Jun, did you call me? What's up? Lan Waji lifted up the flower so Wei Wuxun could see it. He forced his voice to be cold, shutting all his emotions out of his tone. Was it you? No, it wasn't, Wei Wuxun immediately denied, a grin edging onto his lips. One of the maidens shouted, Don't believe him, it was him! How could you say that? It wasn't me, Wei Wuxun protested. My apologies, Zhe Wujun, Hong Guang Jun. Don't pay any attention to him. He does not know what he speaks of. Zhang Cheng said. Ma Shichun smiled graciously. That is fine. I will thank young Master Wei's kindness behind the flower in place of Wan Yi, he replied, slightly bowing his head. Turning to Lan Wan Yi, a more pointed smile replaced his formal one. He has given you a flower of admiration, his brother said mirthfully. What do you make of that, Wan Yi? Will you still attempt to convince me that he holds only amnesty towards you? Lan Waji pointedly ignored his brother, looking straight ahead. Behind them, Zhang Cheng snarled something at Wei Wuxun that Lan Waji couldn't hear. Wei Wuxun responded petulantly, I think he looks nice. Can't I throw a few to those I wish to praise as well? It's not just maidens who admire him. Anwaji did his best not to choke at those words. Of all the times that Wei Wuxun had made Anwaji lose his composure, 
There was one instance that rose above them all. All he did was tilt his head at him and grin, and everything he had been holding back, every motion, every bright smile, every peal of ringing laughter, every light, dainty touch, every single day of his life that was consumed with thoughts of a slender figure, graceful fingers, long lashes brushing against high cheekbones, glimmering eyes and grinning lips that would never still, every single thing he'd pulled behind his walls and shut deep inside came pouring out. In the library pavilion, he'd wanted to push Wishin against the wall and tie his wrists together with his forehead ribbon. On Phoenix Mountain, he pushed Wishin against a tree and kissed him with every emotion he'd held for him since they were fifteen years old. It was something soft, something shaped of the love and soft-hearted admiration of years. The soft-eyed gazes given to Weiwushun when he did not look it was something precious and sweet. It was bitter. It was longing. It was regret. It was a strange thing made of an age of silent admiring and inaction, poisoned by the bittersweet passing of many years with yearning and craving for something that would never, could never happen. It was everything at once, every roaring, blazing, floating, simmering, thrumming emotion pouring through him, every single heart-wrenching burst of adoration he had ever felt for this boy, was fire and water, was sweet and anguished, it was love. Now what Ji loved Weishun. Honestly, it was a funny realization. He had always known he would die without hesitation for this boy. He had always known that the extent of his feelings surpassed most labels, but he had never attempted to name it, especially not with this daunting word. But as his lips were pressed to Weiwushin's, he realized that love was the only name that was worthy of such a feeling as the one that was coursing through him right now, electrifying his senses and setting his soul ablaze. And so he fled, shaking and trembling, in a way that nothing had ever left him to shake and tremble, alone in the forest, leaning up against a tree with knees weaker than they ever had been before. He pressed his fingers to his swollen lips and closed his eyes. Lama Ji had never, ever, in his life, lost that much of his self-control. Out of all the times that Wei Wushun had driven him to his breaking point, he had never lost this much of his restraint. A minute later, he was thrusting his fist into a tree, shattering the trunk and watching it snap in half, splintering as violently as his composure had. The last battle of the Sunshot campaign was very nearly a defeat. If it had not been for the combined efforts of Lan Waji and Wei Wushun, all would have certainly been lost. 
The fight had been desperate and vicious, a last stand made with savagery and desperation. The winds had fought back harder than any of them had expected, slaughtering many of the cultivators of the Sunshot campaign in horrifying, fast, brutal waves. The battle was teetering on a cusp, wavering on the razor-thin edge of defeat and triumph, waiting for someone to come and command it as to which way it should fall. Wei Wuxun fought beside Lan Ji, their movements tiring and footsteps wavering as their wounds and exhaustion weighed them down on their shoulders, dragging them down to the ground as they fought for their lives. Without warning, a sword pierced Lan Waji's stomach, bringing a wrenching gasp to escape from his lips as he slowly fell to his knees. Though his hearing and vision were filled with white fuzz, he heard as an inhuman scream was ripped from Wei Wuxun, spurring the corpses fighting around him to tear into the nearby wens even faster. Nawaji stumbled, collapsing on the ground. His vision was filled with white and red as the winds swarmed him, their blades flashing as they prepared to finish him off. Nawaji dimly heard Wei Wuxun snarl desperately as he tried to find him. He darted to where Nawaji was slumped over a rock as a growing stain of vermilion spread over his back and chest like a sickly wave of red ink. Lanjian! Wei Wuxun screamed, his sword plunging into the winds that got in his way. Nawaji watched through blurry, half-open eyes as Wei Wuxun hacked through bodies, cultivators dropping to his sword as wheat fell to the sharp bite of a scythe. Wei Wuxun reached him and fell to his knees, dark energy pouring from him in rolling, thick waves, forming an unsteady shield against the winds. Nawaji grimaced as he saw it, knowing that the shield would take up the last reserves of his power and leave him defenseless on the battlefield. There were no allies left alive to come to their aid. Wei Wuxun would surely die without his powers. Lanjian! he gasped again. Lanwaji forced his uncooperative, fluttering eyes to focus on the face hovering above him. Wei Wuxun was streaked in blood, cut up, exhausted, and gasping for breath, but he still managed to be the most beautiful person Lanwaji had ever seen. Wei Ying, he managed to choke out blood burbling on his tongue. Don't speak, Lan Zhen, you're too injured, Wei Wuxun said back, his voice catching, hooking on something desperate, raw, and hurt, something Lan Ji hadn't heard since before Wei Wuxun had been trapped in the burial mounds, before he had lost so much of himself to this war. Wei Ying, he said again, as if it was the only thing he knew how to say. Jean, Wei Wuxun replied through gritted teeth as his eyes clenched shut, all of his energy pouring into forming a shield around them. Wei Ying, I have to tell you, 
he gasped, choking on blood welling in his mouth. Wei-ying. Wei-ying. Wei Wuxun's eyes were blown wide. His pupils dilated as fear overran his mind and dictated his body. Don't say anything. You're going to survive this. You're going to be okay. Don't speak so much. You'll make your wound worse. Wei Ying, Mawaji repeated, feeling his soul slip as his mind wavered. Only panic held him to life, fear that he would not have enough time to tell Wei Wuxun, repeated the name, rolling it around his tongue over and over again, until it was the only sound he knew, the only sound that mattered. Wei Ying, please forgive me. I did not tell you soon enough. A sword thrust through the shield of dark power, and Wei Wuxun flinched as the wound pierced the resentful energy inside him. As cultivators forced their way through the shield, fracturing the dome, Wei Wuxun snarled something animalistic and desperate, flipping over to cover Lan Waji's bloodied body with his own. He clutched Chang Qing in a vicious grip, his other hand planted next to Lan Waji's shoulder. Wen sensed victory and began another rousing battle cry, charging in to finish the cultivator's off. Wei Wuxun sprang up, fighting with a sword he had stolen from a dead Wen as best he could. His capability of handling dark energy had been almost completely drained leaving him defenseless on a field of enemies with a wounded friend to protect. Lan Ji pulled his mind to consciousness, forcing his eyes to sharpen and his feet to find their standing as he saw the danger Wei Wuxun was in. He stood up on shaky legs, leaning on his half-shattered Gu Jin for balance as he unsheathed Bi Chun. He would not let himself become a burden to Wei Wuxun, he would fight for himself. Wei Wuxun still had enough energy to escape on his own. Lan Ji knew that no matter what, no matter how hard he or Wei Wuxun tried, Lan Ji would not make it off this battlefield alive. The only thing he could do is help Wei Wuxun survive in his place. As he began to stagger around, swinging Bi Chun with bleeding fingers, it seemed that Wei Wuxun had realized what Lan Ji was trying to do. He whirled around, his gaze panicked and frightened. Lan Zhan, don't fight! You'll injure yourself more! Lan Ji gritted his teeth, knowing that his arguments would be futile. Instead, he concentrated all his fading energy on fighting his way to Wei Wuxun. As he reached him, he spun to fight beside him. Wei Ying, he said through clenched teeth as he fought, keeping as close to Wei Wuxun's side as he could. Wei Ying, you must listen. Wei Wuxun let out another frustrated growl. Lan Zhan, don't you dare. You're not going to die here. This is not the place for your last words. You cannot change it, Wei Ying. I will not make it off this field, but you still can. 
You must leave while you still have the energy, too. No! He snarled again, plunging his stolen sword into the wens with an enraged ferocity. He did not even flinch as the swords and spells bit into his skin and tore his blood and flesh out. I'm not leaving you, Lanjean. There is no reason to. A vicious strike rippled across Wei Wuxin's side, causing him to stagger. As he lost his balance, another flash of steel plunged into his arm. He stepped back, dodging every strike as best he could. The swords kept raining down, driving him back to where Lan Waji fought. He stumbled backwards, retreating to protect Lan Waji, falling to one knee as an arrow embedded in his thigh. The world around Lan Waji slowed as he took in everything around him. They stood in a small area, a minuscule circle where they had managed to drive the winds away. Around them, cultivators staggered and lifted their swords, preparing to charge in and finish them off. Before him, Wei Wuxian kneeled on the blood-soaked earth, his gaze fixed on the approaching winds, with a savage anger burning in his eyes. Wei Wuxian turned around slightly. He met Anwaji's eye, his expression hardening in determination as he saw his state. Turning around, Wei Wuxun pulled out the Stygian tiger seal from the folds of his robe. He stood up slowly, raising the seal to the sky, and brought it crashing into the ground with every fragment of dark energy he had left in his body as a hoarse scream was ripped out of his throat. As Wei Wuxun was thrown back and the blinding power rippling through the desolated, bloody, torn field. Lan Waji caught him. He held Wei Wuxun, his arms circling tightly around his waist, tucking his head into the unconscious man's neck, pressing his forehead against the torn skin, muttering desperate prayers for his safety. As the power set fire to the souls around them, Lan Waji murmured to Wei Wuxun, eyes clenched and mind braced to be lost to the flames of the tiger seal. He felt the roaring, budding energy begin to nip at the edges of his soul, fraying the edges of his core. I love you, Wei Wuxun, Lan Waji whispered hoarsely. There could be no finer parting words from the world he loved and protected so fiercely. There was nothing that he wanted more in life than for the one he loved to know the extent of his adoration before he left. Lawaji woke up in a medical tent, a harrowed but grinning Guiwushan sitting by his bedside. He did not pause to think how he had survived the tiger seal. He merely vowed to tell Wei Wuxun what he had itched to tell him on the battlefield before it was too late. This time, he would tell it to him, when Wei Wuxun was safe and alive, not hovering on the brink of death. Far, two little years later, before Lan Waji could stop anything from happening. 
before he was able to change anything. A messenger came to the Gusu Lan sect. Wei Wuxin has been killed. Far too many years later, Lan Waji had only his regret, sorrow, and bittersweet love. A decade had passed, but he was not the same. The grief still coursed through him like a wildfire every day, every time he played inquiry, every time he stepped on the floorboard that hid the jars of Emperor's smile, every time he heard the lilting laugh of a lute, every time a flash of black and red crossed his vision, every time a rabbit entered his sight, every time he called out, Wei Ying, in a desperate search through the unforgiving world that would never answer back. Manwaji had not been on the battlefield alongside Wei Wuxun when he was killed. He had abandoned him, left him for dead in the wilds of a harsh world. Manwaji should have known better than to trust Wei Wuxun to stay safe in a treacherous land of hateful people that sought his death. He should have stayed by his side. Manwaji should have never let Wei Wuxin go. As they echoed across Dafan Mountain that night, the flute's notes were soft and sorrowful, reminiscent and regretful. Manwaji knew the heartbreak that every note had been written with. The song was drenched in his lamenting grief. The flutist took one more step backwards and fell into Lanwaji. As the flutist stiffened, Lanwaji gripped their wrist, lifting it away from the flute, his other hand securing their waist in an iron grip. There was no chance of them getting away from him anymore. Wei Wuxin's gaze slid to meet Lan Waji's, the vibrant red powder flashing in his irises, heart-wrenchingly familiar. His mouth was open in shock, his eyes blown wide as he saw who was the one holding him. Burning embers faded from his eyes, the dark, resentful power draining from his body as Lan Waji held him tightly. Lanwaji was never letting Wei Wuxin go again. The end. Thank you for listening.